0: Hey there, welcome to the Collide Podcast. This is Willow Weston, the founder and director of Collide, and I am excited to hang out with you today and hand you this interview I just had with Christian Lindbeck. Christian is a pastor at Hillcrest Church in the Pacific Northwest, located in Bellingham, Washington, and I was so Touched and surprised by the authenticity in which he shares his story in this interview, the way that God has shown up in his life, and a theme that kept coming up was this sense that Jesus keeps beautifully interrupting his life in hard but really good ways. And we talked about his story of uh, sort of mess and trauma and shame and all sorts of things, but we also talked about why he still believes in the beauty of the church and his encouragement and challenge and wisdom around uh, what to do for those of us who've been hurt by spiritual leaders and hurt by the church and why he still believes that Christian community is beautiful and why he gives his life to it. It's such a great interview. I hope you'll be encouraged as you take a listen. Christian, it is so fun to get to sit down and talk to you today. I feel like we know who each other is, but we've never been able to to sit and have a conversation. And I'm so excited to hear your story today
1: yeah Willow. it's nice to be with you i agree um yeah we just have lots of fellow contacts so yours is a name that i hear a lot about and collide a ministry that i hear a lot about so i agree it's it's nice to sit down with you this morning
0: yeah for sure you're a pastor and you've been a pastor since the late nineties, I'm kind of curious. Can you take us back to like I don't know the most unpastor like season of your life? <laughs> I don't know when that was, but this sort of this sort of shift that happened in your life where God called you into something was it unlikely? was it likely? I mean, yeah. can you take us back to where you were at at one point where being a pastor seemed the least likely.
1: <laughs> um, Super great question. Uh, let me let me lead with this. I remember a time in my life where, like, my real goal, like, I really hoped that I would fly private jets and open a nightclub. This <laughs> seemed to me to be like the most possible way for meeting a lot of girls. Like, this was like this was my ultimate dream. Right. I, yeah, I must tell to you at that time I I had a a pinky ring too, so I feel like those have some like
0: wow. connection,
1: you know, like outside inside. Yeah. Um. yeah.
0: What kind of nightclub? I mean, what's your like go to song that just brings you? Mm. Out
1: well, because remember, this is early '90s. This is like CNC Music Factory. You right. Know? This, Ace is of what, bass. this is when people used to like still Ace of Base exactly. And people would, like, practice dance moves and do them, and that wasn't weird. Yeah, like, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it was weird, but, you know, in retrospect, yeah.
0: Yeah, but we didn't have TikTok to actually teach us how to do Back. dance moves. So, yes. private jet, nightclub, mm. like, how old were you at this point where this was yeah. your idea of your future?
1: Ideal. My ideal idea. That was, you know, 18, 19, 20. I, I to be, you know, Willow, my... Um, childhood was a beautiful mess. It's full of a lot of real good and um, a lot of kind of self-inflicted trauma and trauma that was inflicted by other people. Um, uh, I had an unstable home. I love my parents. Should they hear this? Mom and dad love you, but it wasn't It wasn't healthy. Um, my mom was married five times. My dad married a couple times and there wasn't a Uh, always health in that circumstance. And so we moved around a lot. I had a, like I said, an unstable childhood. Mm -hmm. And I was, my coping mechanisms uh, really centered around a lot around like manipulation and untruth and maybe sarcastic humor. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, we were everywhere. So I remember only being in places, you know, nine, 10 months at a time. And uh, by the time I was 14, I wasn't really going to, like, a, a school. I was going to a little Scientology school, and my mom was into Scientology then. And by the time I was 15, I was out. I had left, and I was actually down in L.A. on my own. at what's called the Sea Org down there, which is part of Scientology. And that's another long story, but I, I, I escaped that with the help of family, and I moved back to Washington. But... I, <laughs> it was just somehow I managed to graduate high school because that was back when basically if you just showed up to high school you you graduated uh, and I did Thank I showed God. up yeah <laughs> and I and I got out but I, I uh again I was a messy human being and so I didn't have a plan but I got into the air force kind of through a circuitous way which I was just trying to avoid going to class so I took the ASVAB test and and I went into the Air Force, and um, that that was a huge shaping time for me because it it, uh, it taught me that I could succeed in the world. I mean, I think I learned really important lessons out of the military, but it did not help my moral condition in any way, shape, or form. In fact, it just exacerbated these unhealthy coping mechanisms in me, um, and so. I was really uh i was not ha- happy at least not at a real level i was at a surface level maybe partying a lot but i was deeply a profoundly unhappy and confused person and that was really muddled up with my understanding of who god was and and i was dishonest and uh just before desert storm in the military god really dramatically re-entered my life and Maybe that's an interesting story. Maybe it's not. But it was totally unlikely. Like, I was not looking for God. I was not on a spiritual retreat. Uh, God interrupted me. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, that created a fork in my whole life.
0: When you and say that, God interrupted you, can you invite us into what that feels like, what that looked like for you?
1: Yeah, Yeah, it's a slightly embarrassing story, so that should be good.
0: (laughs) If you don't want to share, you don't. No, no.
1: I'm I'm home. I'm getting ready to deploy uh, to the desert. Uh, I'd gone out drinking with my sister and had a bit of a hangover, and I needed to get my hair cut before heading back to deploy. And my dad took me to the Alderwood Mall. Gene Juarez at the Alderwood Mall. That's about the most 90s thing you can say right there. (laughs) And uh, Alderwood Mall, if you don't know, it's a big in this area. It was like a big hangout back when kids used to hang out at the mall. Mm -hmm. And um, so we went to the mall and I I came out. My dad had left something in the mall that he had to go back and get. And I was sitting in his lime green Dodge Dart. And uh, yeah, this this. This will make sense to some people and not to others, but um I think that I heard the audible voice of God, maybe louder than audibles the way it's been the easiest for me to understand, but I'm just sitting there I'm not really doing anything, and um yeah, I felt very clearly these words christian that's enough, and um. I just knew what the that's enough meant, like on multiple levels of who, who I was. And, um, and that started, you know, I wish I could say that flipped a switch. It did, it did initiate a period of my life where I was keenly interested. Like I felt, I don't know if you ever felt wooed by God, uh, but I felt wooed. I felt called out. Like I had this insatiable appetite to understand, and I was in the desert with nothing to do but work. So this was a good season to to uh, to do that, and um, and so there was a beautiful, it was a really wonderful season of like like a, a, a reshaping of my identity, like my deep, like the beginning of the healing of some wounds. But it started. It started uh, a more than a decade-long collision. So it wasn't like, "Hey, the next day <laughs> I was, oh, now I'm, you know, I've got Jesus and I'm full of the Holy Spirit. I'm just walking along." No, it just started like this. It was like watching two trains run into each other in slow motion. And uh, I really do, and I mean this like uh, genuinely. I had this. This renewed sense of, of God with me, and that—that that for me inspired like uh, almost constant prayer and interest in reading, and I, I really started to understand and love me this way. But this old me, <laughs> mm-hmm. this uh, this manipulative and dishonest, uh, br- uh, broken and afraid. I think I'm fear-driven a lot. Like, what are people going to think about me in this situation? Mm-hmm. That, those two things were just like in a war. And so I got out of the military. This, this'll, this will, this, this will, this is funny because <laughs> I had had exposure to the Christian world when I was a kid. We had always gone to some kind of little church. My dad was a former Benedictine monk, and so he was on his own journey
0: oh, wow. about kind of
1: finding out who that all and so we've had some interesting church experiences but i got out of the air force which was work hard play hard i had this kind of reborn sense of who i am and what the world was about but these old broken habits of dealing with actually interacting with the world and and i and i went to northwest college in kirkland washington northwest bible college at that Mm. time a small private christian school and uh and this just invited me because it was this very close Christian world with mostly kids that had grown up in a Christian, you know, like gone to Christian school. This invited me to erect all the facades about who I am, you know, because I, uh, that was part of my coping mechanism. I could be like, here, you know, I can erect it. Here's who I am. Here's what's going on. When inside, I'm like, all right, you know, this is this, uh, dorm inside of me. And so, um, Northwest college was great. It was really, it was really good and really hard too. And, um, but, um, and I don't want to extend this story out, but I went from there. I felt inspired to go to grad school and, um, and it was, it was along that journey. It's been along that journey where the first Feelings that I had about what God had for me were reconfirmed. And I thought I was going to go into academics, but I ended up getting this like a, and this is a long story, but a call back into um, a life that is just daily participating with Jesus for the good of people around me. And, and pastoral ministry is what that looked like. And, and the journey to me actually being a healthy, happy uh, pastor and ministry was that in my mid thirties, I, I had, I just had all fell apart. The war that had started in me when I was a kid or when I was a young person, the facades, the internal conflict, they all just blew up for me. And, um, and I remember thinking, Hey, this is like, uh, this is where I, I could lose a lot of things, my job and my reputation, or maybe even like my mental health.
0: That's what, mm-hmm.
1: I, that's what it really felt like. And um and out of that hole is where life has really begun for me, for me and and healthy ministry. And I was doing ministry before that kind of with this war still going on inside of me. And um out of that place where I was able to genuinely look at Jesus for the first time and just I just let all the garbage go. I let all the all the facade making I'm doing. And I was able to really say like, um, if nothing works out, like I don't, if my job doesn't work out or if I can't fix this or I can't feel better, if nothing gets better for me, um, it's okay. Like you are enough <laughs> that you came in, you rescued me, you re-identified me. I know who I am and I know my future. If I lose all these other things, It's okay. Things don't have to work out. And um, even though that was a hard season, that was the beginning of like a whole new life for me. And um, that was really punctuated for me later. Go ahead. Yeah.
0: Oh, Christian, I was going to ask you just just to verify the timeline. Because you talk about God interrupting you, which I which I love yeah. so much and resonate with so much. And it was a beautiful interruption. You know, it it's inspiring all of us to go get a haircut at Gene. <laughs> <and> we- <laughs> God will show up and speak to us. Yeah, it's, I think it's, like, it's
1: like a recipe is what I think. Yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> um,
0: but you had this beautiful interruption and started yeah. being so hungry for God in your life. You ended up going to Northwest College and the Lord was seminary your yeah, life. to yeah. so seminary. How many years after seminary did you have this sort of breakdown or I, I don't know the word that you want to call yeah. it? Yeah. All came yeah. down. Yeah,
1: breakdown's a good word. Um, but since we're kind of collapsing all of these windows, it was something that was building, it was building to this crisis, because as my life came more in like genuine alignment with Jesus, these other things that I was allowing to still live in me just stood out more and more. So it wasn't like, you know, I was just increasingly faking it for years. I was actually like through college and through seminary, through really coming into alignment with, with God. And that alignment was making this other part of me stand out in stark Mm -hmm. contrast. And so, I mean, uh, yeah, let's, let's be honest. That's a, that's an almost 12 year journey.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And, um,
0: It's so interesting to me, though, and I and I still get it because and I I won't go into the long story of Collide starting. A lot of our listeners know the story and if they don't, they can hear it on the podcast. But. It, it's so interesting because I had that beautiful interruption and major conversion at 21 years old mm. where not growing up in church, not knowing Jesus, not knowing the gospel mm. and being so wounded and broken and needing a savior and like handing my life to him. It was a radical, beautiful collision. Yeah. And then I found myself 10 years later after being in ministry for almost a decade <laughs> hey,
1: and my I'm mom was
0: in town and I yeah. have a baby. And I, I, she knocked on the door and I couldn't, I saw her at the door and I couldn't do it. And I went and ran like a little, I was a kid and hid Uh, in the closet with my baby. And it was in the closet that God said, you need to step out of this closet and get more healing. And I ended up in a Christian counselor's office. uh, And that was the beginning of this idea of, I had had a wounded collision with my mother. And that's where I got the uh, whole concept of collide and like not collide the, ministry, but it's a <laughs> spiritual concept. And yeah. so what I'm trying to to say to resonate with your story is I think so often we sort of, I don't know, in Christianity, we sort of build faith into this one conversion moment, and then yeah. somehow we're supposed to be whole. And I, I think it is such a misnomer. It sets people up for like, hey, I mean, when I ran into Jesus, and it sounds like when you did, because you yeah. talk about trauma and a beautiful mess growing up and having to move yeah. all the time and you had things, you were not truthful and manipulative yeah. and sarcastic and all these things. It's not an overnight fix when we hand our life to Jesus. It's like <laughs> there's there's a conversion and a repentance, but then there's so many collisions after, so many conversions after where if you look at the life of Jesus when he collides with people, he changes them. And he keeps colliding and changes them. I and mean, look yeah. at Peter, right? And so it's so interesting. It makes sense. Like if you're a kid who grew up with trauma, you don't just hand your life to Jesus in a Dodge Dart and like start reading the Bible <laughs> and go to seminary and then all that goes away.
1: Correct. In fact, it, hi- it highlights, it brings, I think the light brings those shadows into contrast, you know? Mm. I, uh, I love this repeated collision because I feel like there's been all these kind of forked, uh, there was actually a time in my life where I remember I was choosing to sin. Like, I'm like, I'm going to do this and I can hear the Holy spirit yelling at me. No, no, do not. No, no, no. I'm like, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, this is the way I'm going. And I, and I crashed my car. No, no kidding. Like I literally had a physical collision and, I come out of that and I remember stepping out of that car and I have never felt so overwhelmed by parental love from the father. It was literally like this collision, like we're not <laughs> we're not going down this road. We're not we're not returning to this. This way, and I've had all these kind of moments that, you know, that coming out of that dark my closet, my hiding in the closet. That's what it felt like. Too. I remember when my wife came in the living room when this was happening and everything, all the noise from my past life is just screaming in my head. And I remember looking at her. And my hands are shaking like I have them in front of me. and I'm watching my hands shake and I'm thinking to myself, stop doing that. And I can't. That same, you know, like you had to. I can't I can't control my body. Um, and it was a, out of that came this conviction that I think I share with you. I want to join in your story, which is I. I there needs to be some healing that happens here. <clears throat> and one of the most profound things that's happened to me, as I'd say the third most profound thing other than Jesus, my family, is a friend and I decided, a friend I deeply love and trust, decided to extend the gift of a whole life confession to each other. And I don't mean, you know, I stole pencils when I was a kid or, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I was think of that scene from the Goonies where he's like, and then, and then. And I, you know, uh, like it was, I was terrified for a couple of years leading up to this. Terrified. We're like, Hey, we should do that. And then we would push it off because we challenge each other to let the Holy Spirit walk us from our earliest memory, our earliest memories, to where we are now, to open a dedicated journal and write down every little hook and hang up in that. This thing I said, I did, I thought, this thing that happened to me. And we wrote it out in this just awful journal. And I started When we started talking about getting together to share these journals, I started having nightmares. And in the nightmare, I would be vomiting like a column of black tar, like just my mouth wide open, like black tar shooting out of me. And we got together with like fear and trembling. We checked into a monastery in upstate New York. And uh, they have the great silence at night, which is wonderful because you get 12 hours where you can say nothing to each other. which is just the break you need in this. And we, we walked those journals through. And we let the spirit even like, we had moments where I'm like, wait, wait, I left something out. And we said it all. And Willow, I mean, the stuff I thought I would go to my grave with. And I remember walking away from that weekend and I felt like a new physical space inside of me. Like that I'd never, I'd been clear before God, but I had never just been clear, clear. It's something that I, I, I have loved so much that I've refused to surrender it. <laughs> so years later, this friend and I still like any little thing that comes up, we call each other and talk it through. And I think that is like one of those, like you said, you, you, you see a therapist, you look for help, you find spiritual counter, counselors, you get a spiritual director One of these things for me was really critical. I just needed to not have shame over this stuff. And just evaporating shame and loving confession with another person has been profound to find that difference between healthy conviction and and shame, which is the work of our enemy. So so those for me, I just really resonate with those collision moments that have created these forks in my life, yeah.
0: Well, and there's so much power in naming, naming shame in telling our story to someone else. I you know, you're talking about the power of confession, right? And I, I, you're recalling a scripture for me. So I actually just looked it up because mm-hmm. I don't have a memorized, but James five sixteen, like therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Like yeah. I, I remember this woman coming to a conference at collide years ago and she was in her sixties and, and she called my home phone when I had one and, I hadn't talked to her about her story. I knew she was. And she said that she was so struck at our conference by her own woundedness and brokenness that she had carried for decades that she'd never mm. shared with anyone, which was that she got pregnant as a high schooler and her parents shipped her off mm. to have this child. And no one knew, not even her husband and her own kids. Mm. And they were adults at this point. Yeah. And she'd been carrying the weight of thinking about this baby and giving it up for decades. And yeah. she she actually is the one who taught me that scripture and the power of confession. She says, my healing came when I confessed to someone at a yeah. collide conference that I've been carrying this for so long. There's so much power in that. I love yeah. though, that you're sharing that so honestly, because I think that's a really brave thing to do with someone and also uh, a really vulnerable thing to do. And something that I don't know that I can say, I see a lot of males modeling or talking Mm -hmm. about, I'm sure there's men doing it, but I just don't hear it talked about very much. I mean, it's a uh, beautiful thing.
1: I think you're right. Uh, Because there's this weird, this is all these kind of Gender role things like you know we're we're raised in the rub some dirt in it and eat some bacon mentality and it's you know mm-hmm. I I still talk to a lot of men who're like ah, I'm just gonna be, get over it. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you read that book The Body Keeps the Score? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It took me like three months to read it because it was triggering for me.
0: I I get it. I would be
1: like, okay, I'm having a panic attack. Cool, 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 cool. I would set it down. <laughs> <laughs> then come back to it. Yeah. But I, yeah, I, I think you're right that this, we have to unload this thing. I am, um, um, I'm doing some work in the hospital too. And I've just as a pastor been alongside people when they're getting to the end of life. And, and when they have that opportunity, so many of them want to take the opportunity to kind of unload a burden that they, something between them and another person kind of kind of pushed by the end of life. They're like, hey, I, I want to unload this thing. And I, first, I think that's beautiful. So <laughs> I'm so glad. Uh, you know, I, 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 we want to even encourage that. But I have this other thought where I think, oh, what if that had happened 20 years ago? Mm. What if your son had heard you say, I'm sorry, 20 years ago? Or your, or your daughter or your wife had heard you say, I made a mistake, but I love you. And, um, and I'm with you and I'm, 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 I'm willing to work this out. Like there's healing that can become in the finally unburdening, That I find myself thinking a lot, like, uh, what would the fruit have been earlier if this if forgiveness could have been extended? So
0: mm, I such would a love good
1: to, plan. yeah,
0: such a good challenge. Hey friends. As a special thank you for listening to our podcast, we wanted to give you all $10 off your tickets to our Meant for More conference on March 3rd. At this conference, we will be hearing from Maddie Pruitt-Trout, Candy West, and Willow Weston. We are so excited to hear from these incredible women, so follow the ticket link in our show notes, use code PODCAST at checkout, and the discount is yours. Thank you so much for tuning in every week, and we hope to see you at the conference. There's so much I want to ask you, Christian, and I feel like I could lean more into your story, but I want to shift a little, and it is okay. a, about your story, but I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, being a pastor, and I feel like there's a lot going on right now um, in around us where people are really... Um, leaving church. Mm-hmm. You know, we have the most de-churched, anti-church generation there's ever been, apparently. Um, there's people who are angry, so angry at Christians. And I, I'm i curious, you know, there's so many things I want to ask you, but, mm-hmm. but when you look at all of this and you see people who have been hurt by spiritual leaders and Christians and they feel disillusioned what's your advice to encourage them to begin trusting Christian community again
1: <laughs> oh boy yeah can i start with just acknowledging it can i you know if you're out there listening to i just think i'm sorry that when the shepherd who were called out and rescued to be your shelter provider, protector, discipler, when they instead flipped that to hurt or manipulation or, or just making it about them, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the way any of us have contributed to that. Um, and you know, there's, <laughs> yeah, I suppose this, lots of reasons this is going on i hope that 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 for its part that church and i use that term gently but that church and churches can own their part as we've talked about honesty here it's Mm -hmm. not helpful to 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 say that didn't happen or that's Mm -hmm. not true or or to cast it off on other contributing factors so yeah um How to rebuild trust. I don't think I know how to separate how to rebuild trust period from how to rebuild trust with a community of faith. Um, And that kind of like we talked about earlier, you don't flip a switch and things are okay. Mm -hmm. Um, Trust building is a brick by brick process. And so you want to rebuild a, you want to rebuild a house Oh, gosh, I'm going to get super metaphor-y here.
0: <laughs> Bring it.
1: Cool. So there has to be a solid foundation. So you have to agree that maybe the house was broken before, but the, the rock-solid foundation that we're all coming to is in this messy and lovely world, I'm, I believe there's a, a personal creator God who made it all and knows, knows us. And uh, that we would know Him, this three-in-one God, took on human flesh lived died and was resurrected so that we would know him so we could look and say hey here's what's true that's that's who god is that's the kind of god he is that's what he does that's how he operates this is who we are this is what life is all about and that is our foundation You're like so we're not building a house yet about what the community of faith looks like but we're saying hey uh i have i'm at i'm at 95 percent on this <laughs> as being the truth in the world you know and that's rock solid Here's our foundation and then and then the house building thing is um yeah the house will not the house will be good it won't be perfect i think it's good to say and it is just built one brick at a time and so finding a community where you could say because i believe in the foundation and part of what i learned from the foundation is i'm made to be with jesus and i'm made to be with jesus people <laughs> You know, I give my life to Jesus and he gives it to the people around me. And so I know I need community. So finding a place where I can be like, OK, I'm going to put one brick of trust here. Foundations down. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm I'm planting trust. I'm extending this. I'm going to be connected to these people. And then, you know, you just start building up these bricks of trust. And sometimes a brick gets kicked away. Um, sometimes you take it away, but you start rebuilding this. This. House on a foundation. Um, when people are looking for a community of faith, I often find them looking to see if they like Sunday morning. So there's, you know, in the 168 hours a week, they're looking: does this fit the bill of what I'm looking for? And that is such a tiny, narrow sliver of what that community is about. And so, when looking for a community, I'd really encourage people look for people who resonate with like their, their value, their purpose, their behavior, their culture. Because this is what you're really saying is I want to share life with you people. <laughs> I want to, I, I want to disciple each other. I want to, I want to share life with you. And so sometimes you got to get past the, what's, what's the great Sunday morning experience. Sometimes a clunky Sunday morning experience doesn't just mean they don't care. It means they're, they are investing their time and resources in other places. Does that make sense to like, hey, I want, we want to do our best with Sunday morning, but we're not spending all our time getting ready for it. That doesn't necessarily mean that, but I'm just saying provide space for that. Look, look for people who are living life and interacting with the community in ways that resonate with you. And then, and then it's, it's really worth it to rebuild trust with a, with, with a faith community. That's where these love one another things happen.
0: It's interesting because there's an element, and maybe it's because I've been married for almost twenty five years, but you have things that happen in relationship that are hurtful, and rebuilding trust is a process where someone almost has to prove they're trustworthy, but they don't ever they never have the ability to prove they're perfect,
1: yeah, you know it's like
0: <laughs> I understand I sit with people who've been so hurt in in incredibly. Painful ways that never should have happened in churches. And, and I also understand sometimes it's easy to project those things onto Jesus instead of the person at fault. Mm-hmm. Um, but that idea of trusting, again, is possible, but believing that, that a community of humans that are broken and have experienced trauma and pain <laughs> and all of these things, that they're never going to make mistakes. It's, it's almost, um, it's a setup for an unreal relationship.
1: So, hundred percent. I just love this, and I want—I want to say two things that I see confused in there a lot: the difference between forgiveness and trust. Those are very different. I mean, just to go back to your marriage thing. You know, I can forgive my spouse for something, but that doesn't mean I've instantly rebuilt trust for the hardship, right? Mm-hmm. That's those are different.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, like if you know you and I did a trust fall, Willow, and I let you fall, <laughs> I let you hit the ground. <laughs>
0: I, said, oh I would gosh, forgive you me. forever no. I, I just
1: said forgive me, forgive me, forgive me oh my gosh I'm sorry I got distracted I don't know what I was doing oh my gosh Willow you can trust me I'm so sorry oh wow, wow you might do it again you might you might okay this time we're going to do it but if I let you hit the ground the second time uh, like I would have some convincing to do I could probably still get you to forgive me but it'd be a while before and let's say I did it four times you know at some point you're going to stop trust falling <laughs>
0: At some point I'm dumb if I can like
1: <laughs> But you might be able to, to forgive it. me. You might be able to say it just turns out, Christian, you're a moron and not good at this. Uh I can forgive you, but you didn't you're not trusting me. And that I think just knowing that you can forgive, but be okay rebuilding trust over time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And um and I loved what you said about the church too, because I mean like think about who naturally comes to church. Um who naturally comes to church are people who feel their need or the conviction. Right? Uh I come because I convict I feel like I should, or I naturally feel the need. Like I I I don't make it through without this alignment in my life. I need these people. I need this weekly reminder. If you're that person, you're probably in touch with your brokenness. <laughs> at at all kinds of levels. And so I always expect the church not, I think if I go to Amazon and hang out with their executives, I'm going to meet the sharp, fast, <laughs> hyper capable people. I think when I'm in the church, I'm, I'm likely to meet a lot of, uh, wounded, um, uh, seeking hospital care kind of folks and, and some of the, some bright, beautiful, lovely too, but I, I kind of expect to find this though. So.
0: It's funny, though, because that's a healthy perspective to expect to find it. But I always liken some Christians sort of mentality around and maybe it's from years of being in college ministry. But mm-hmm. I remember being in college ministry for, I don't know, geez, it spanned over a decade <laughs> worth of time. And people would come and say in this ministry we're part of, oh, my gosh. I can't believe so-and-so is a part of this ministry. Mm. They fill in the blank, you know, some mm. list of, of their sin. And I always thought, oh, man, well, imagine what they'd be like if they weren't here. <laughs> but I, <laughs> I think about Jesus and how Jesus went off on the religious Pharisees. He had just called, you know, a tax collector to follow him. And, you know, Levi leaves everything to follow Jesus. The whole life is changed and there's a party to celebrate this life change, which we should be having parties for life change. And, and these religious people are sneering at Jesus because he's hanging out with Levi and all his friends, all these sinners. And Jesus says in this collision, which I love so much, he says, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. And I sometimes think, that Christians sort of show up to church and look around and they're like, Oh my gosh, why are you? you? know, it's like a waiting room at the doctor's office. Like, why are you here with a broken leg? Why do you have a cast on? What, why do you need heart surgery? And they're like, I'm here just to tell the doctor how good I'm doing. <laughs>
1: Cause I, can, I, let, let me, t- <laughs> let me, let me take your thing because I here's do you see if this resonates with you? Sometimes I think everybody's sitting there thinking, Oh my gosh, I'm a train wreck, but everybody around me seems to have it put together. So I'm not going to tell people about what an internal train wreck I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what's funny is when you are somebody, you worked in college ministry, you're like, I know everybody in this room. I wish I could just <laughs> tell you all their stories because it's a room of train. Everybody's just a person Every in here. Train wreck. <laughs> I, I, You know, I, it would be illegal. But if I could just tell you about my past ten counseling meetings, you know. <laughs> At a in a prior church I was at, I had this, there was this beautiful older couple that I won't name, but they were like they were the cleavers, cute. You know, they were all they kind of dressed in matchy matchy ways and they were just adorable and they looked so sweet and kind. And um I got to know them and I'm like, holy moly, like their story. Like this is the they've been married multiple times, they've just got together, they both have this profoundly complex life story. And I thought Wait, from the outside, nobody would ever guess. I asked them, hey, can I, when I'm in a meeting with somebody and they feel like they're a mess and everybody else is good, can I tell them your story? They're like, oh, yeah. So I would be in church later when people are like, oh, my gosh, I just, you know, I just want a life like them. And they'd point at these people. I'd be like, (laughs) let me tell you a story, you know, And that freedom for us to all be just honest. This doesn't mean we're celebrating our brokenness. I'm just saying like, hey, let's, let's, let's be with each other. Uh, honest about that. Yeah.
0: Well, and the freedom, the freedom to kind of name where we're at is not having that freedom is why we Mm -hmm. land in a closet or why we find ourselves Mm -hmm. in the living room with our spouse, with our handshaking, and Mm -hmm. we're having a breakdown. It's because somewhere along the way, we started feeling like we couldn't sort of name these mm-hmm. spaces and places that need mm. god's healing and so we kind of tried to sweep it under a rug and act like we had it together and then it all just comes out sideways
1: mm. man maybe I- that's part of the invitation for people finding trust like you know you're you're among good friends mm-hmm. <laughs> Come. I'm sorry yeah
0: Mm -hmm. Christian there there's just so much I want to talk to you about but I I know our time is going to come to an end here soon and I I guess I'm curious you know you have this you've been really honest and authentic about this story of how you even came to knowing Jesus and meeting Jesus, loving Him and serving Him. And it's a beautiful story. And I'm curious, in all of that, why do you still believe in the beauty of the church? And have you experienced any collisions recently that have reminded you that God still has and does beautiful interrupting within Christian community.
1: Yeah. Yes. Um, I think too, Willa, you you switched terms a couple of times there, which I think is interesting. Um, We are made, we're both made for and flourish in and are called to be in Christian community, right? But when we say church, I think now it comes freighted with all of these images Mm. of what kind of the American West church looks like. We know that we're going to go into a building that's built like a theater, you know, with a stage and somebody who's going to exercise their gifts with an audience. And we know there's going to be small groups and stuff for your kids to do. And so we get this model that we've seen Especially, kind of post World War II model, this kind of business theater model of the church, and that collides with this deep need that we have to be in Christian community. Um, and so, yeah, I think the church still has some reckoning to do. I think it has to be honest about these structures are not all the ways that we are Christian community. This mm-hmm. is the this is who we. This is the practice. And these are long-held methods. I mean, if you scrape away all the other stuff and you just say, Acts 2, you know, 42 through 47, they met regularly, they shared food, they read the scripture, they discipled one another, uh, they shared resources with each other. that, that thing, that's still, that's still this deep need that we have. And this structure that we're doing is expressions of that, um, but I think it's I think it's fair sometimes to say hey that can be the way that looks can can be discouraging.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, You're giving your life away
1: to yeah.
0: the to the beauty you believe happens in the church. Why?
1: Me, me, why? hmm. Yeah, because I still think I guess what I'm getting is that that Christian community for all again, for all the ways that the structure can muddle it. This is still where this is happening. I haven't found a better way to gather people in a meaningfully robust size to care for one another, study scripture well, to raise up each other's kids to serve our community. Um, and there's just these, this anytime you're going to start organizing a group of people together, it's going to have some of this, but I mean, I see it all the time. Just in this community, I see it as I meet with all the pastors around Whatcom County, this, the area that we live in. I just see like beautiful things that are happening for vulnerable people in our community or kids and moms and, um, and businesses and, uh, um, you know, first responders and hospitals, like the, the organized people of God, when they're together sharing life and committing to the mission with each other, like really beautiful, beautiful outcomes happen. And that wouldn't happen if we were all at home individually doing this, co-committed to this idea.
0: Mm-hmm. It takes
1: this. It takes this relationship with each other, sharing of resources, the commitment of time. And so I'm, I'm an idealist, which means I've shaken my hand at the way we do church plenty of time. <laughs> if you've ever sat at Hillcrest where I'm a pastor, I'll often say the way this room is designed drives me nuts. But I haven't found a better way to gather people, teach the scripture, sing the songs, receive communion, dedicate children, baptize believers, coordinate our work, raise up our children, disciple our young people, serve our community. This is Mm. This is for all its bumps and bruises. That's still the best way we've managed to figure this out for now. Mm. And we can just be honest about when the corporate sides of it get in the way.
0: Yeah. Mm. Christian, as we come to a close Mm. and you think about the way that God continues to beautifully interrupt your life, Mm. how have you seen him recently beautifully interrupting someone's life in your church community that reminds you he's still alive and well and good and gracious and rescuing.
1: I agree. And that his community, even though imperfect is still a lovely reflection of that. Mm. Like like good people gathered together are still bringing this to be as they participate with Jesus. I love, I love that. Mm. I mean, I, I honestly can think of a lot of, uh, stories like this in our community. One really stands out for me. Um, it was a friend who I just was watching his life unravel um, in in such disturbing ways that uh, I would feel embarrassed about sharing it on the this podcast. But if you could just imagine like somebody's life unraveling down to the the most base levels. This is what was going on. I'm just truly, truly awful. And I got to the point, I'll admit to where I thought, well, this can't be fixed. <laughs> like you know, somet- sometimes you just see people run to destruction with their fingers in their ear. And I thought, this is, this is it. This, I, I don't know what happens to this person. And it was actually my father teaching me long patience. Trusting in Jesus for the recovery of a human being and that this takes a long, it's like a long, slow walk. And I remember thinking, and I'll be really honest, nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to change like this is just so broken. And we started the long journey and uh, this individual got some treatment alongside. And I watched God so interrupt his life. That when he came out of this, he has changed his name because he is literally feels like a new wow. human being. And I watched a life that was being totally—it was gone. It was—I—I I, I thought it would—it would probably lead to his death and absolute destruction around him. He is married and has kids and is successfully working and leading ministry. And every time I look at him, I think, how has this? Like you, this this you can't counsel somebody here. This is the restorative work of the Holy Spirit through the gift of Jesus Christ and the patient participation of a community of faith that walked alongside them. That's what this can look like, and I know that's a dramatic story, and I've seen it and smaller ways a myriad of times but that the drama of that story reminds me there's no human beyond recovery even when i think to myself that's it like that this mm-hmm. this person can't be recovered mm-hmm. and sometimes when i feel really messy i remember <laughs> the restorer god is going to is if we can if there's community in the spirit of jesus the restorer god is can go on restoring in the most complicated and hurt circumstances
0: Mm -hmm. such an amazing way to leave us today christian this has actually been a beautiful interruption to my day and i will be to so many listening i know they're going to want to follow you and check out more of the work that god's called you to how can they do that
1: um i'm just about everywhere. Um, I am a reluctant social media user. so <laughs> <laughs> uh, But you can find me in on any of the channels at, at hcbellingham.com. And that would be on any of our social media channels. That's our church. And you can find me on Facebook or those sorts of things at christian.linbeck.
0: Cool. Yeah. Christian, thank you so much for participating in what God is doing in your life through your life around your life
1: thanks willow what a what a neat opportunity thanks for making the space i uh, i hope this was helpful
0: yeah this was really helpful i took mad notes and can't wait to share so, <laughs> thank you
1: all right thanks everybody i appreciate it
0: Friend, I hope you loved that interview as much as I loved having it. It is always so cool to hear the ways that God shows up and collides with our lives. And my encouragement to you today is if you feel this sense that there's maybe some healing that needs to take place in your life, maybe you've been stuffing it down or sweeping it under the rug, or you've been sort of... Just determined to be fine through it all, that you would allow Jesus to interrupt that to come in and do some heart surgery to open the closet and invite you out to meet you in that living room where maybe things are coming out sideways and you can start naming the shame and the pain and the trauma if you need help doing that go to our website at weekali.net we have a counseling page you can fill out a form and we can help you to begin to take steps to walk towards healing you can also check out our counseling bundle where we have uh, Uh, I think it's 10 or 12 counselors on our online course where you get to sit with each counselor for an hour each, where they just pour out their wisdom, inviting you into healing in the places that you need it most. It's such an amazing course that we have online. And if you listen to this podcast and you thought, wow, I have a friend who could really hear this and be blessed, send it to them. Just a quick gesture by sending them a text and sharing it. Not only will help them, but it gets the word out about this podcast. We hope you loved it. I hope you keep colliding and know that you are so, so loved. We'll catch you next week.